Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today's topic is one that affects every single one of us, and yet it's one that we don't think about as often as we should. We're speaking today about financial health and a particular dimension to it, and it has to do with what is called asset protection. To aid us on our journey in today's program is an expert in the field. He's a lawyer. His name is Hillel Presser. Hillel, it's great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me. Hillel, you're not only an attorney who has an interest in asset protection, you have an entire firm that is devoted especially to this topic. Is that correct? Correct. You know, there's so many lawyers out there trying to find ways to take your money. Um, I thought it would be pretty neat to be, you know, one of a few in the entire country uh, teaching people how to protect what they've worked so hard to obtain. So we have a nationwide practice. Uh, We're based out of Boca Raton, Florida, and we help clients nationwide protect everything that they work so hard for. Well, this is an exciting topic, and I know as people are tuning in today, we have the whole cross-section of people that listen not only from Indian country but beyond. Some of them are tribal leaders. Others are business owners. Others are, you know, grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles. Some of those people listening may feel like they have lots that they're interested in protecting. And other people, as we're starting the show, are saying, well, why do I need this? I mean, I don't really have much. What does this relate to me? Is that a reasonable response for people to have? It's reasonable in the sense that we see it all the time. But uh, it really should actually be the opposite response. And let me explain. You know, I always tell people that the less you have, you know, the more important it is to protect yourself. You know, we represent, uh, you know, business owners, doctors, professional athletes, school teachers, you know, anybody that doesn't want to lose what they've worked so hard to obtain. And kind of the example I always like to give is, you know, take a uh, famous NFL player. Well, you know, if he signs a football contract for $50 million, if he gets sued for $5 million, he's not going to be happy but he still has $45 million left. Mm-hmm. You know, contrast that with the average person who may, might have saved up a few hundred thousand dollars over their career. You know, if that person is sued for a million dollars, they're going to be wiped out. It's going to be catastrophic. You know, there's no coming back from that. So to me, you know, the less you have, the more important it is to lay that foundation. Uh, so not only is, you know, asset protection not only for the, you know, rich or ultra-wealthy, But again, to me, the less you have, the more important it becomes. I mean, I think this is such a great point. So really what you're saying is every single one of us, regardless of where we're at in life, should be concerned about what you call financial self-defense. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, you know, the person that has $10 million in the bank is not going to do the same type of planning as the person who has $200,000 in the bank. But nevertheless, that $200,000 is important. And the less you have, the more important those few assets become. So, Hillel, walk us through some of the important questions then 
we should be asking. And if I'm never thought about this subject before, let's take that hypothetical situation. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners are like that. And they're saying, okay, this guy is saying I should be thinking about this, but what am I supposed to be thinking? I mean, what am I supposed to be asking? What am I supposed to be doing? Sure. Well, I think the first thing you should do is educate yourself and at least know that it, uh, you know, asset protection exists and that there are ways to protect yourself. Um, and as a special courtesy to any of your listeners, uh, if they go to our website, it's assetprotectionattorneys.com. You know, if they fill out the contact us form, as long as they mention your show, I'm happy to send them a complimentary copy uh, of the latest books that I authored on asset protection. And I only say that because if you do nothing else, you should at least learn that there are things you can do. You know, after you've educated yourself, the next step is really to inventory what you have. And I say that because every single person has a lot more than they think they do. You know, people automatically think about assets like money in the bank, you know, real estate, cars, things of that nature. But there's a lot of different other types of assets. Assets just means anything of value. You know, maybe there's an inheritance that you're getting. You know, maybe you'll have, you have uh, valuable, you know, patents or trademarks or domains, phone numbers, intellectual property. You know, maybe somebody owes you money. You know, there's so many different things. I had a guy come to me once to protect his comic book collection. Hmm. So, you know, after you've educated yourself, the next thing you should really do is inventory what you have because I guarantee you'll have a lot more than you think you do. You know, once you've educated yourself, once you've inventoried what you have, then and only then can you really start to decide, you know, what tools work best for me, you know, because it's not a cookie-cutter type planning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I know one of the challenges that sometimes comes up in Indian country has to do with handmade items. Often someone will have a career or a hobby where they're doing things that maybe in their eyes they're not that particularly valuable, and after they pass away, others might realize that uh, these are really priceless works of art that they've created that was just, you know, part of the family. Are there things like that that people might have across the demographic spectrum where someone would think, well, this isn't all that valuable. It's just something I do, and, and really it has a lot more value than they would, uh, would think? Absolutely. And, you know, I would kind of house that in the category of, you know, arts and antiques. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, you know, what is something worth? Well, it's worth what someone would pay, and, you know, things are worth uh, different amounts uh, to different people, whether it's emotionally or financially. So there's definitely ways and steps you can take to protect those, you know, uh, artifacts uh, that you want to pass down from generation to generation, you know, to make sure that you don't lose them. And, you know, you brought up a really interesting point, which is, you know, what if you're the one making them? You know, what if you're in the business, you know, of making these artifacts, you know, for others and selling them? Mm -hmm. You know, if that's the case, you want to look at asset protection from a totally other perspective. You know, I always tell my clients you want to look, you know, at outside in and inside out. And, you know, while we started off today talking about how do you protect all your personal assets, I think it would be equally as important to make sure that if you're in business, you know, that you set up the proper tools and techniques and strategies to protect yourself. And I'll give you an example. You know, I heard about a lady once, and she would make these dolls, and she would sell them at the flea market. And uh, she was encouraged always to start a business. You know, that way uh, she could protect herself from any and all liability. Well, you know, she said, look, I'm in my 70s or 80s. I only go to the flea market, you know, once every few months to sell these dolls. You know, I don't make a lot of money. You know, why do I really need to protect, you know, my business? Why do I need to structure and set it up properly? Well, 
you know the end of the story. The doll ended up poking out the eye of a child, mm. and I think she got sued for about a $3 million. Wow. So if she would have been operating from a business perspective, you know, from an LLC or a corporation or some sort of protective entity, she wouldn't have been sued at all. But because she didn't take the proper steps to protect herself from all the liabilities, you know, that are out there uh, to affect businessmen and businesswomen, you know, she really found herself in a bad place. Well, let's, uh, Hillel, talk a little bit about this whole question of incorporating. That seems to be an important question that we need to address. Sure. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. The majority and the reason why people do it is they want to protect their personal assets from business debts and liabilities. You know, they want to make sure that, God forbid, something goes wrong with the business, somebody can't come after their personal assets. So, for example, somebody starts a car wash in their personal name. Well, if somebody gets injured on the car wash, they can sue the individual for everything that he has. Mm -hmm. If that same individual started a car wash in the name of a corporate entity like an LLC, and then somebody gets injured on the property or at the car wash, well, then they can only sue the LLC. So, you know, LLCs, corporations, you know, all these corporate entities are fantastic to protect yourself, your personal assets, from business debts, liabilities, and obligations. But probably one of the biggest misconceptions that I see, in, and I don't care how successful the client is, uh, you know, is they never think about it the other way around. Whenever I talk to a business owner and I ask them what their biggest asset is, big surprise, they tell me their biggest asset is their business. And that's because that's the cash flow, you know, it uh, supports their lifestyle, credit cards, uh, kids' tuitions, vacations, uh, things of that nature. Well, if you don't structure your company correctly, you know, for example, let's say you structure it uh, as an S-Corp or a C-Corp and you own the shares in the S-Corp or the C-Corp. Well, if somebody sues you, just like they could take your house or your boat or the money in the bank, they can take the shares in the corporation. So, again, you always want to have kind of that double outlook of outside-in and inside-out protection and make sure that if you're going into business, you're protecting all of your personal assets from any business debts, liabilities, etc. But you're also protecting the business itself from any personal creditors because a personal creditor can seize the shares in your corporation. Hmm. Let me see if I'm, if I'm hearing this right. So we've talked about a number of different ways that a person could incorporate. It might be helpful at some point to walk us through maybe some of the nuances or differences without going into too much detail. But you've mentioned the LLC, the S Corporation, the C Corporation. And you're saying in those settings, although it may give some protection from liability, if the business is found liable for some type of bad outcome, whether it's a doll that pokes someone's eye out or some mishap at a car wash. But often there is not a protective strategy for that business. Am I hearing you right? Right. So it's not just about protecting, you know, the personal assets, you know, from the business debts and liabilities. It's about protecting, you know, the business itself. Because mm -hmm. think about it. You know, if I sue you for $100,000 and you have $100,000 in the bank, I can take the money. If I sue you for $100,000 and you have a boat that's worth $100,000, I could take the boat. Okay. You know, they're both assets worth $100,000. They're just in a different form. Mm -hmm. Well, think about if you own shares in a corporation, like an S-Corp or a C-Corp. Well, I could take those shares. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm the majority shareholder, now I can vote, which means I can hire, fire, 
liquidate the bank account, bankrupt the company, you know, literally put you out of business. So it's so important that we protect our personal assets, but it's also really important that we protect the businesses as well. Well, I mean, you've definitely got our interest. I mean, I think you've made a strong case for us all getting more educated on these topics. And I, I so appreciate it. I mean, going into the show, I didn't realize how gracious you were going to be with my listeners. But since you mentioned this earlier, let me just mention it one more time. If you're tuning in to today's episode of American Indian Living, uh, the attorney who we've got as our guest today, Hillel Presser, is offering you a free copy of his latest book on asset protection. And you can get that free copy simply by going to Asset Protection Attorney. Is that singular or plural? Uh, plural. It's actually AssetProtectionAttorneys.com. Okay, so AssetProtectionAttorneys.com. And when they go there, they're going to find something that they fill out? Yeah, there's just a contact us form on the front page. And if they fill it out with their contact information, uh, as long as they mention you know, that they heard about us from your show, happy to send them complimentary copies of our latest book. Okay, well, that is tremendous. And so you're going to bring us up to speed, giving us some education on the topic uh, if we take advantage of that. But for those who are saying, listen, I'm driving right now. I'm trying to get all the information I can. We want to cover some more of these important topics. Hillel, education, inventorying, what you've got, those are two important principles. What other things are we going to need to cover on this show to really lay down the basics of asset protection? For sure. And, you know, we can go into, you know, different tools and techniques and tactics and strategies to literally learn how to protect everything you own from everyone every time. Wow. I mean, that sounds tremendous. Now, we're not encouraging people to be complacent as far as how they treat people or how they run their business, but you can do everything right and bad things can happen, can't they? Of course. And, you know, nobody gets up in the morning and expects to be sued and you know, nobody's immune from a lawsuit. Uh, somebody can get in a car accident, taking the kids to soccer practice. Um, you know, I have clients who get sued all the time, you know, for things they don't even know about. You know, unfortunately, in today's litigious society, you know, lawsuits have really become the next biggest business. And, uh, you know, there's over 100 million lawsuits every single year. Um, I think the stats are that, uh, you know, the average person in business is sued about five times each over their lifetime. Uh, you know, there's a one in four chance you will be sued in the next 12 months. And, you know, with people losing their jobs and the people who are lucky enough to keep their jobs making less and less, it's like, why not go to any corner, hire an attorney for free on a contingency fee basis and sue? You know, cost you nothing but uh, 30 minutes of your time. And if you win, you might even get tax-free money. Wow. Well, hello. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got to step away just for a couple of minutes. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're speaking with Hillel Presser on asset protection. A lot of practical stuff, interesting stories, illustrations. You don't want to miss what's coming up in our next segment. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. 
So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose and with Hillel Presser. Hillel is an attorney and the founder of a corporation that is designed to help you keep what you've got. That's right. We're speaking about asset protection. Hillel, as we've been speaking about this topic, uh, I was real enthusiastic about it until you started giving these statistics on uh, the likelihood of my being sued in the next month. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. You know, lawsuits have really become the next biggest business, and uh, it's a lot of liability out there. And no matter what you do, there's no hiding from it. It's very, very unfortunate. So that's an unfortunate truth, but the reality is there's things we can do to protect ourselves, whether we're a tribal entity, whether we're an individual. Let's talk to those individuals, and let's talk maybe about an area that I think a lot of people can relate to, uh, real estate. Someone's got a home, property, is that something that uh, is in danger in some of these situations? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you have to look at real estate, again, both outside in and inside out, and think about it. You know, if you have a piece of real estate that's worth $300,000 and you don't owe anything on it, that's a $300,000 asset. So if you get sued, somebody can take it. Hmm. So the first thing you need to do is make sure that you protect the equity in the real estate. That's number one. On the other hand, let's say you have a piece of real estate and you're using it as a rental home or a vacation property or something of that nature. Well, let's say somebody gets injured on the property. Mm. They're allowed to sue whoever owns the property. So if you own the property, you can be sued for everything that you own. So when it comes to real estate, we want to protect the equity in the real estate in case you get sued. 
We also need to make sure that we set up the real estate properly because if somebody gets injured, we don't want them coming after our client for everything that they own. Okay. And, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do this. So one thing you can do is you can use what's called protective entities. And it's very, very simple. You know, just like you and I are different people, we have different social security numbers. If I get sued, they can't sue you. If you get sued, they can't sue me. You know, the law looks at you and I as different people. Mm -hmm. Well, the law looks at you and your protective entity as a different person. You have a social security number. Your protective entity has a tax ID number. Mm -hmm. So take this example. You have a duplex that's worth $300,000, and it's in your name. Well, if you get sued, you can lose the property valued at $300,000. If you would have just taken the property and put it in a protective entity like an LLC, well, now if you get sued, nobody can take the property. So you've protected the equity in the property. Also, let's say somebody gets injured on the property. Well, if you own the property in your name, you're the owner, they can sue you for everything you own. But if you take the property and put it in a protective entity like an LLC, if somebody gets injured on the property, they can only sue the LLC and not you. So by taking the real estate and putting it in a protective entity, you've not only protected the equity in case you get sued, but you've also protected yourself in case somebody gets injured on the property. And, you know, that's one strategy. And, you know, I'll give you a few more. Well, let me let me ask a question, though, Hillel. I'm, I'm a little bit confused because earlier in the show, we were talking about this scenario where if someone has a corporation and they have shares in that corporation, if they're sued, then someone can actually take those shares. So wouldn't that be true if, if say, I've got an LLC that's holding some property that are, are rentals? Couldn't someone come after me and end up taking my interest in that corporation that has the, uh, the rental property? Great question. You know, with an S-Corp or a C-Corp, a creditor can seize the shares, just like we talked about. Uh -huh. With an LLC, depending what state you live in and how it's set up, there's ways to set it up where a creditor cannot seize. It's actually not called shares. With an LLC, it's called membership interest. Mm. But with an LLC, there's ways to set it up so a creditor cannot seize the membership interest uh, you know, and or ownership as they can in an S-Corp or a C-Corp. So although it might sound similar to people, S-Corp, C-Corp, LLC, you know, they're all different types of business entities. They're all different types of corporate entities. They're all different types of protective entities. But the LLC has a lot more protection that the corporations do not. Okay. Well, that is helpful to know. So you're going to walk us through then some other scenarios as far as tactics and strategies. Absolutely. And, you know, another thing is to make your property valueless. And I call this technique equity stripping. You know, the secret is is that poverty is power. And, you know, before a lawyer sues you, he's probably going to look up to see what you have. Now, I don't know about you, but when a lawyer looks me up, I don't want to look wealthy. I want to look poor. I want to do whatever I can to make my property valueless. So there's ways to put enforceable, you know, legal and ethical liens, mortgages, encumbrances on assets to make them valueless. And I'll give you an example. You know, let's say you take $100,000 and you put it into your business for machinery, equipment, real estate, employees, marketing, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Well, why not file a public lien, mortgage, encumbrance, UCC on that asset? 
you give them $100,000 to your business or for a piece of real estate, why not file a lien against it? This way, if you go out of business, you know, you're the first creditor in line. So there's ways that you can make your property valueless by stripping the equity. You know, another example of that is, you know, if you have a piece of real estate, get a mortgage on the piece of real estate. If you don't want a mortgage, maybe you want to investigate a line of credit. You know, it still shows up as a mortgage, but if someone searches you, you know, they'll think that you don't have equity in the property and you don't have to pay on the line of credit unless you unless you actually pull it. So there's a lot of different techniques and strategies out there where you can make your property look a lot less uh, uh, valuable. Hmm. So basically, part of the, the strategies are really protecting you, uh, we'll say, from someone who, uh, in a worst-case scenario, might be less than scrupulous, who's trying to come after your assets when really they don't have any legitimate claim to them. So we're trying to protect those because really um, what's being done is something that we might say isn't uh, on the straight and narrow. Absolutely. And you know what? I tell my clients that as our job as asset protection attorneys to make it so difficult, so expensive, if not impossible, for anybody to collect against you that they don't want to sue you in the first place. You know, we don't want them to be the low-hanging fruit. So I'm not telling my clients not to pay a claim. I'm not telling my clients not to pay their bills. All I'm saying is to put themselves in the driver's seat. You know, if it's a frivolous lawsuit, don't pay. Mm -hmm. If it's a legitimate claim, if you can use your structure to settle for 5 or 10 or 15 cents on the dollar, well, that's a win. And, again, no one's telling you not to pay your creditors. All I'm saying is put yourself in the driver's seat. If you want to write a check, write a check. But at least put yourself in the position where if someone's trying to take advantage of you and it's a frivolous lawsuit, you know, they can't take what you worked your whole life for. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really means a lot because, you know, people work their whole life and, you know, they could be 60 or 70 or 80 retired backing out of their driveway. You know, they hit a bicyclist and they lose everything. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're 60, 70, 80. They, you know, saved up and bought all these rental properties to support themselves in retirement. Someone gets injured on the, on the property they sue them and they lose everything. So you definitely don't want to have to start over at that point in you know in your lifestyle. So you want to make sure that you cross the T's and dot the I's and do things correctly and proactively from the beginning. You know, one of the questions, Hillel, as we're speaking about all this, I think you're making a great case for all of us to think about this topic, regardless of how much or how little we have. I, I mean, I haven't seen signs on every street corner for attorneys specializing in asset protection. What do you recommend? I mean, do we just get educated and then look for someone locally? Why would someone want to deal with someone like yourself in Florida if they're in uh, California like myself or in the Northern Plains like other listeners, for example? Sure. Well, first of all, the clients have to do, you know, whatever they feel comfortable doing, you know, whether that's working with someone like us or anybody for that matter. You know, you said it right. You know, there might be a thousand personal injury attorneys in every city or a thousand criminal attorneys in every city. We only compete, I don't know, with maybe five or ten, you know, if that asset protection attorneys around the country. Wow. You know, they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some states that have some really qualified asset protection attorneys. Um, certainly, we have a nationwide practice. We're happy to help clients. You know, nowadays you can do everything by the phone, the computer, uh, Skype, email. But, you know, it's really just the client's comfort level. You know, certainly if they'd like us to help them, we'd be happy to do so. 
you know, if they call us from a state where we happen to know there's someone good, we're happy to refer them as well. I mean, we want to do whatever is in the best interest of the client. So, Hillel, is it safe to say that for a lot of people, they may not need a formal legal consultation? They may just need to get educated and take some preventative steps? Yeah, I mean, I don't really promote the do-it-yourself. Um, you, know, you know what they say when the, the attorney acts uh, as a counsel for himself. They say he has a fool for an attorney. Um, so I am definitely not a proponent of you know do-it-yourself asset protection planning. Mm-hmm. But I am a proponent of educating yourself. And after you educate yourself, you might not need anything, or you might need something very, okay. very small. Uh-huh. You know, there's no rush. You could start very simple. You could start very cost-effective. But I think when you try and you know start doing your own surgery, you know you end up a victim. No, I mean I think it's a great point. I mean we have the same saying, of course, in the medical profession. Sometimes they take it a step further, Hillel. They'll say when you treat yourself as a physician, not only do you have a a fool for a doctor, but you got a fool for a patient as well. <laughs> yeah. Makes a lot of sense, you know. Well, listen, we have to step away once more. Hillel Presser is not going anywhere. I encourage you to do the same because we've got some more great information coming up in our next segment of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. More on how you can protect yourself from an epidemic. It's not an epidemic of health issues, but it's an epidemic of financial health concern. This litigious society that we're in, Hillel Presser will be back with more very, very insightful comments. Stay tuned. We will be back. American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose on today's edition of American Indian Living. Let me tell you where we're going in the last half of the show. We've got Hillel Presser standing by. We're going to be coming back to some insights on asset protection. And then before we finish the show, we've got another very special guest who will be winding things up for us, speaking about Social Security, something else that you want to keep in mind as you're looking toward the future. So we've got some great material on financial health coming up in the last half of today's show. Hillel, as we've been speaking about this whole dialogue, protecting our assets, the the challenge we've got with many frivolous lawsuits, it seems like popping up all the time. One of the things I hear a lot about, and maybe it's just uh, the circles that, that I hang out in and the things that I read, but I hear about certain states having laws where a, a house may be protected or certain things may be protected from creditors, but apparently that's not the case in other states. Uh, can you help us sort through some of that? For sure. And what you're uh, talking about is actually referred to as what's called exemptions. And um, essentially, every state has different exemptions. And all exemptions mean are what's protected by state law. So I'll give you an example. You know, you've probably heard that, you know, in Florida, your house is protected. Doesn't matter if you have a $200,000 house. Doesn't matter if you have a $2 million house. Uh, in Florida, if you get sued, nobody can take your house. Um, you know, that's not the case in uh, New York or New Jersey or, or other states. It is the case in, in Texas. So, first of all, the definition of an exemption really just means what is protected uh, by state law in your state. Uh, and some of the common things um, that may be protected in your state uh, are your house, and again, not necessarily your entire house. Maybe it's a portion of the house, hmm. uh, retirement accounts, uh, life insurance, annuities, um, things of that nature. So what you want to do is you want to say to yourself, you know, uh, what's protected in my state and what's not? So if I live in Florida where my house is protected, I want to save up and I want to buy the most expensive house I can and I want to pay it off because nobody can take my house in a lawsuit. Hmm. If I'm in a state like New York where my entire house is not protected and, you know, depending on what county I live in, maybe it's only protected anywhere, you know, of about 100 or 200,000, well, I don't want to pay off my mortgage. I don't want to have an expensive house. I don't want to have equity in my house because that's an asset that's not protected by state law. So I think something that uh, the clients can do, you know, that doesn't cost them anything is really just find out what are the exemptions in their state and invest in those types of assets. And if they go to our website, our website is uh, www.assetprotectionattorneys.com. On the left-hand side, there's a button called Financial Planning Exemptions. Mm -hmm. And if they hit that button, they will see a list of every single state, and they can click on the state where they live and see what is and what is not protected. Well, this is great. Let me make sure I got this down. So we've talked about the website, assetprotectionattorneys.com. When I go to the home page, I'm going to look on the left side. Is that what you said? Correct. And I'm going to look for financial planning exemptions or just financial planning? 
financial planning exemptions, correct. Okay. And I just have to click on that, find the state I live in, and go from there? Yeah. So, for example, I'm going to click on California right now. Okay. Well, California will tell you that uh, your house is only protected um, anywhere from about 75000 to 175000 and it depends if you're individual, uh, married, uh, have disabilities, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it's somewhere between 75000 and 175. It'll tell you that, uh, you know, life insurance and annuities are only protected, you know, for about 9700 if you're single and 19400 if you're married. And it'll tell you that your retirement accounts are, you know, protected, but only to the extent that the court actually determines uh, that the prop the the property sought to be applied to the satisfaction of a judgment is used for child, family, or spousal support. So mm. you know, again, in California, your house is protected somewhere between seventy five thousand and one seventy five. Where in Florida, it's totally protected. Uh, in California, your retirement accounts are only protected to the extent uh, they're used to support a, a child, a family member, or a spouse. Where in Florida, they're totally protected. And uh, in California, your life insurance and annuities are only protected about 9700 if you're single, 19400 uh, if you're married, you know, compared with Florida where it's totally protected. So I, I know what people are thinking, you know, hey, Florida is a great place to live, you know, if you want to be a debtor. You know, that's why a lot of the big CEOs from New York move here right before they get sued. Um, you know, people, a lot of times people say, hey, is that why OJ moved there? Um, but uh, you definitely want to find out what the exemptions are in your state. You know, that way you know what to invest and spend your money on. Well, now, you're really begging a, a pretty obvious question. Do, do you also work for one of the uh, Florida Chambers of Commerce? In in what sense? What I'm, I'm just kidding you. I said, you know, you may... <laughs> I said I was going to say it's attorney-client privilege. I can't tell you who we work with. <laughs> yeah, what, what I was getting at, it sounds like you're making a great pitch for uh, you know a lot of my listeners to to relocate to Florida. At least if they're you know, my funny, people do it all the time, but. Please, don't come. It's way too much traffic already. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, listen, I appreciate you giving us that balancing counsel. So we were talking about the website, and I think while we're on that, we should mention this other great resource you've mentioned. You're willing to send out a free copy of your latest book to any of my listeners. They've got to say they listened on American Indian Living, right? Correct. If they go to the website, uh, again, it's www. Uh, assetprotectionattorneys.com. Uh, right there on the home page, you'll see a contact us form to fill out. And uh, as long as they mention your show, um, I'm happy to send them complimentary copies of, of our latest books that I authored on asset protection. Now, how about if this word gets out? People don't even listen to my show, and they just uh, start uh, you know, through the social media saying, did you hear who Dr. DeRose had on? Use, <laughs> use American Indian Living, and you'll get a free book. Are you, are you worried that this might get out of hand? Nah, listen, uh, I, I trust people to be legal and ethical, and look, uh, what's the worst-case scenario? Someone gets a free book, and they get educated. You know, it's my pleasure. The more you give, the more you receive. Okay. Well, hello. You've been giving us some great insights. I know our time is rapidly slipping away, and my listeners are going to be disappointed if they don't uh, really hear about some of those last techniques that you just have on the tip of your tongue waiting to share. Sure. Well, you know, we talked about, you know, how to title your business to protect your uh, personal assets from business debts and liabilities. We talked about how to title your business so you don't lose the business. We talked about, you know, using protective entities to shield your assets, you know, equity stripping to make your assets valueless. 
and uh, investing in exempt assets that are protected by state law. I think really just another thing to touch on is international asset protection. Hmm. You know, uh, we do asset protection both domestically inside the United States and also internationally outside of the United States. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, international asset protection, you know, has got a bad name for itself, Um, not even because of the asset protection. I think it's a lot of people tried to go international, you know, to avoid paying taxes. Mm -hmm. But there's really some uh, great things you can do from an asset protection point of view internationally outside the United States that you just can't do inside the United States domestically. And they're totally legal. They're totally ethical. There's nothing wrong with them. In fact, they're tax neutral. So you're not going to pay more in taxes. You're not going to pay less in taxes. But I just thought it was worth mentioning because, you know, people hear about going offshore or going international, and all of a sudden, you know, they start to squirm. But, you know, really, again, if you do things legally and ethically, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing it. So I've heard that there's some people that are looking much more seriously about things like retirement uh, in foreign countries. Does that make sense for some people from an asset protection standpoint? For sure. And, you know, again, you know, all these other countries, you know, a lot of them don't have the litigation problems that we have. You know, in the United States, it's very easy, um, if not free, to sue anyone. You know, you get an attorney on any corner for free on a contingency fee basis. The problem is, is if you don't defend yourself, you automatically lose the case. And if you do defend your case, it can cost you tens of thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, even if you win the case. So, you know, in other countries, you know, they make it a lot more difficult to sue. You know, for example, in Belize, you know, if somebody has a Belize LLC, you know, they make you put your money where your mouth is. You know, they make you post half the amount of the claim. So if you want to sue someone for $2 million, you have to post a million dollars with the court. You have to bond it. Because if you lose, you have to pay the other side's attorney's fees. So, you know, unfortunately, again, they make it so easy and inexpensive, if not free to sue, but so difficult and expensive to defend yourself. You know, what I tell people is the trick is not really making money, it's keeping it. And the real challenge I give them is think about it. You know, for every 60 minutes you spend making money, stop and spend 60 seconds thinking about how to protect it. Because, you know, we try to acquire, 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 whether it's to retire, live a better life, give to our children, give to charities. But if we lose it all, which we can lose in one instance, it was all for nothing. What about, you know, you mentioned this scenario of giving to charities. I know a lot of charities talk about these annuities where you give a certain amount to the charity and then you get some uh Return. I guess that's the best term to use on that on those funds. Is that something that would be an asset protection strategy if you're uh, trying to to fund a number of nonprofits? You know, it could be. And you bring up a couple of good points. Number one is you have to check your state on the exemptions of are annuities protected. Mm. So, for example, in Florida, annuities are protected. In other states, they're not. So, number one, you know, if you go on the website assetprotectionattorneys.com. Click on the tab, Financial Planning Exemptions. You need to see, are annuities protected in your state or are they not? That's number one. Mm-hmm. You know, number two is, do they make financial sense? You know, you got to make sure that you're doing things not just from an asset protection planning mm-hmm. point of view, not just from an estate planning point of view, not just from a financial planning point of view, 
you know, there's no point of uh, your financial advisor making you great returns if you pay a ton in taxes. There's no point in paying less in taxes if you lose everything to a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So you really got to get what I call your financial self-defense team together and make sure that everything's good, not just from an asset protection point of view, but from an estate planning point of view, income tax planning point of view, estate tax planning point of view, financial planning point of view, accounting point of view, et cetera, et cetera. You don't want anyone alone on your island. And lastly is, you know, you bring up about, you know, these nonprofits, 501c3s, et cetera, you know, they're not immune either. We have a lot of clients that are charities and nonprofits, and think about it. A lot of these nonprofits own real estate, have money in the bank, and they get sued just like anyone else. So just because you're a nonprofit doesn't mean you're immune from a lawsuit either. Well, Hillel, our time has uh, has just about vanished. It happens, it seems, in every segment that there's not enough time, especially when we've got a great guest. One more time, you're offering some resources, at least a free book to listeners. How do they get a hold of that? All they need to do is go to our website. It's www.assetprotectionattorneys.com. That's www.assetprotectionattorneys.com. On the homepage, there's a Contact Us form. Just fill it out, and as long as they mention your show, we will send them a complimentary copies of uh, probably the latest two books that I authored on asset protection. Tremendous. Hillel Presser, an attorney with AssetProtectionAttorneys.com. We have got to step away from this segment, but you want to stay by. We've got more important information on financial health. Mickey Douglas with the Social Security Administration is coming back to especially address issues of relevance in Indian country. So don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, 
Doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. As I promised, in our final segment, we've got another great guest who's rounding out the dialogue for today. Her name is Mickey Douglas. Mickey is a regional public affairs specialist with the Social Security Administration. Mickey, it is great to have you on today's show. Thanks so much for inviting me, Dave. Mickey, I know you've got deep roots in Indian country. You've been working with First Nation peoples, with tribes over the years. Tell us a little bit about where you're based. Well, actually, as you said, I'm a public affairs specialist, and so that means that I do most of my work out in the community, whether it be with the media or whether it be with other organizations. And it's all about trying to help people understand how Social Security works. And I visited Utah reservations and held meetings with tribal members. I've taught classes at urban Indian centers. Um, Every year, Utah hosts an annual Native Summit, and I have hosted a booth there. Um, I did the same job in South Dakota previously, and when I was in South Dakota, I operated a monthly contact station, and that was actually where people came to do their Social Security business on the Pine Ridge Reservation. So um, a great deal of it has to do with teaching about Social Security, giving presentations, helping people understand what programs we have, what benefits we offer, what they need to do to qualify. Great, Mickey. So you've got this wealth of experience. You've been rubbing shoulders with Native Americans, First Nation peoples for years, and you've heard some of the same questions come up, some of the same unique uh, concerns in Indian country. What are some of the things that we really should highlight in this segment of today's show? Well, actually, um, sometimes you know yourself that Um, People living on reservations are driving a long way to maybe do business with Social Security. And one of the things that I want to talk about today is what's called a a My Social Security account. And while it's an online service, um, being able to use it and to set up one would then help you access some other Social Security services where you wouldn't have to drive maybe miles to use them. That's great, Mickey. So the My Social Security account, it's totally uh, accessible online? Yes, and um, what you need to do, you have to be at least age 18, and you have to have a valid email address, and you have to have a Social Security number, and you have to have a U.S. mailing address. And then because you're going to set this up online, you're going to set it up online, and you're going to use it online, Um, we need to ask you some personal questions, and that's because 
you're not sitting across the desk from us, and I could say, show me your tribal ID, show me your driver's license. So we're going to ask you these questions that we think only you would know the answers mm. to. Mm-hmm. And that's so that we can verify your identity and we can maintain security. And then you're just going to choose a username and a password to create your account. It's really like any kind of user account that you set up on other uh, websites where you go to do business. The difference with this is it would allow you to access some of your own personal specific information as well as some services that Social Security offers on the website. So give me an example, Mickey. What would someone, what what benefit would there be to getting this online account? What could someone do that they're not doing already? Well, there are two different areas that I, I want to talk about when I answer your question. One is has to do with, and Dave, maybe you'll remember this. Do you remember the paper statements that we used to send out? Mm-hmm, but I don't think I've seen one recently. Yeah, and there's good reason for that. That's because we've moved them online. And the paper statements were what we were sending everybody that told you how many years of earnings you had and Mm -hmm. what each year was. And if you had enough to qualify for benefits, we also gave you estimates for retirement and for disability. And those estimates are the thing that had real value for you when you're doing your um, retirement planning. Mm-hmm. So that's one area that you could you could find out about is, you know, your own personal retirement planning. And, you know, maybe you're daydreaming and you're, you're still working, but you're looking ahead and you're planning, you're thinking about the day when maybe you'll have some more time to spend on the powwow trail. Or maybe you want more time to spend with your grandchildren so that you can share some native culture with them. But to do that, you've got to know how you're going to finance your retirement and you want to know what you're going to get from Social Security. So that's one reason why you would want to do that. And, and slightly related to that is, and it has to do with planning for retirement, planning for, um, and nobody likes to think about this, what happens if you become disabled mm-hmm. or survivor's benefits. And what you want to do after you set up this account is you want to go through, if you haven't done this already, and look at each year of your earnings. Why do you want to do that? Because what you get out of Social Security is based on what you pay into Social Security. And so you want to make sure we've got every year right so that when you get to retirement, everything's all set, you know that's right, so that if something happened and you became disabled and you had a lot of other things you were doing, you'd know that part was right. And if you passed away, I expect you would know more about your earnings record than your survivors would. Mm. So retirement planning and financial planning in general is the first use for a My Social Security account. Great. So you can get all this helpful information there. And if someone is listening, they're driving right now, listening to the show, is there a specific website that you point someone to to set up this account? Sure. It's our website at Social Security, and it's www.socialsecurity.gov, and then forward slash my account. 
and that's to go directly to the My Social Security account card. And then you'd asked me earlier about um, what things could you get there. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. other thing that's really, really important, and this is pretty important to our listeners, maybe a different group of listeners for us today, and that's people that are getting benefits from us. Okay. And in addition to being able to do some retirement planning for yourself, if you're not there yet, if you're already getting benefits from us, then after you set up your account, you can access some services with us. That means you can do business with us online. Hmm. And the things that you can do, like if you're getting benefits from us and you need to change the address where you live, um, your check is going direct deposit and you want to change which bank it goes to, um, let's say you're getting benefits from us in your Medicare age and you have a Medicare card but you lost it. You can replace it by using your My Social Security account. Um, and you need a 1099 that tells how much you get in benefits to do your taxes. And that's available by using the My Social Security account. But probably the most important thing, one of the most popular services on there, is what we call a benefit verification letter. Let's say that you're a widow and you get widow's Social Security benefits. And let's say that um, you're working with a program that's going to help you reduce your utilities. But one of the things they ask you to get is a letter from us saying what, how much your Social Security is. And so if you have this account, you can look up your information online, you can print it, and you can give it to the organization that wants it. That means you don't need to call Social Security first and then wait for us to mail you a letter. So I think that's a a pretty useful service for those people in Indian country that are receiving benefits from us. Mickey, this has been great material. Unfortunately, our time has just about slipped away from us. As we're winding up today's show, any final things you want to mention about some of the services that Social Security has for folks living in Indian country? Well, as I've mentioned, the ones that are available online and the online planning. The other thing is is um, just general information is available on our website, and all of our publications are available. We're trying to put all the information that we can online um, so that people can access it that way, or if online isn't for them, they can call us at our toll-free number at 1-800-772-1213. We're there to serve you, whether you decide you want to do it by phone, in an office, or online. Thank you so much. That's been Mickey Douglas. Mickey is a regional public affairs specialist for the Social Security Administration. Again, if you want to access their services, go to the website at socialsecurity.gov. That's socialsecurity.gov. Or call 1-800-772-1213. If you didn't catch all that, any of these stations that air American Indian Living have contact information for all of today's guests. Well, for all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.